0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 478. And the quote of the day is, Legacy is greater than currency. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? This is Nick Ruffini, episode 478 of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and we got a good one for you. I'm super excited to have the one and only Mark Giuliana back on the podcast. It's been a few years since I've had him on, and we talk about... I mean, we get pretty deep. We get get into a lot of the mental aspects of playing, developing your own sound, uh, thought processes, serving the music, legacy... All of those sorts of things, being grateful, being present. There's a lot of great, great stuff in here. And we talk a lot about sort of the intangibles of of playing and and things that you can't necessarily quantify when you're practicing or or when you're stepping onto the bandstand, but things that are extremely important in your playing. So a great conversation with a great drummer. Obviously, he needs no introduction. And we're going to get right into it. Let's get rocking and rolling with my man, Mark Giuliano. Mark, welcome back to the podcast, my man. I appreciate you doing this.
1: Thanks, Nick. Yeah, looking yeah. forward.
0: I was just thinking. Uh, I know you're a big baseball fan, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Today's opening day. So, how you feeling about? What are you? So, are you a are you a Mets fan or are you a you Yankees fan?
1: So you're trying to divide the audience right off the bat, <laughs> huh? <laughs> um, you know, I am. I root for both teams. I, you know, growing up in New Jersey. Um, you know, there's no real, um, science to who to root for. So I've kind of had pockets. I've bounced between each team throughout my childhood years. Um, but I, I, I know it's a very politically correct answer, but I, I absolutely root for both teams and really, uh, you know, when, when those teams are good, baseball is very exciting. I'm actually in, um, St. Louis at the moment and, um, Uh, the hotel overlooks Bush stadium. I'm I'm on the 18th floor and I can see inside the stadium. It's too bad. They're, um, they're away. They opened up in Milwaukee. So, uh, I would have had this, uh, perfect view for the, for the game, but somehow it's still fascinating. Yeah. Somehow it's still cool to just look out at the stadium and imagine the chaos when, you know, when it's full.
0: Yeah. That is pretty cool. I mean, at least you're uh, at least you have two teams in different leagues, you know, so it's like, right, it's not too bad. But the question is, who would you root for if they were in the World Series? Yeah, against each other, you know, yet again, I'm still trying to get you in trouble. (laughs) So
1: check it out. I actually um, one of my favorite um, sports personalities is Dan Patrick. Mm-hmm. And he was a longtime Sports Center anchor and now he has his own show for many, many years. And um I like the way he talks about it. He's you know, when when he entered that world, he said he had to kind of stop rooting for his favorite teams, uh just to be provide a fair perspective, you know, when covering the sport. But mm-hmm. he always roots for a good story, he says. Yeah. And I actually completely agree, you know, i if um I would just root for an amazing game, like a really competitive um exciting game and even even if you know the team i quote unquote didn't want to win ended up winning in a dramatic fashion, I would still take that over you know a boring eight nothing game where my team won you know sure. so within reason within mm-hmm. reason, there are certainly times to um really take a side, but I typically side with the underdogs and you know root for. Root for that story, but you know, you, you could catch me, you could probably catch me pulling for the Yankees from, from time to time.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I think there's, I think there's, it's interesting because I think there's so many parallels between being a professional musician and being a professional athlete. And I actually, I had, uh, Christian Kirksey on here who is the, he's a linebacker for the Cleveland Browns, but he's also a drummer. Uh, he grew up playing drums, grew up in church and everything we were talking about some of some of the parallels in that and i think that I think that you know a little bit about that too i mean your brother if correct me if i 'm wrong your brother's a coach
1: yeah he he recently uh moved across the country, so he had to give up that gig um, ah. but yeah, he was a division one uh baseball coach college coach right and um his his family he moved to portland um so he 's on the hunt for a for a new job but yeah, both my brothers played baseball well into college through college and really at a high level. Um, and yeah, my, my oldest brother is still entrenched, but, uh, yeah. So I've been around, I've been around the game my whole life. And
0: have you guys ever discussed that the parallels of, of what it takes to be a professional musician versus what it takes to be a professional athlete?
1: Not too, um, not in too much detail, I guess, you know, from a distance we could Compare um, paths, but no, not not too scientifically. No. But I agree, it's there's, I mean, just you know, commitment to one's goal is, you know, that's I guess fairly obvious. But you know, mm-hmm. sp- I think sports like um drumming, I don't. It's it's impossible to deny the physicality of drumming. I'm not one who likes to think of the athletics of drumming because sometimes that takes me away from the art side of it, you know, but obviously that's super important and the physicality and the, you know, getting your body to behave in ways that are best for what you're doing. And, you know, sports is, is the biggest example of that. for Mm -hmm. Sure.
0: There's always something that I've, uh, that I've admired about There's something about athletes that I've always admired about, you know, the getting up at 5 a.m. and being in the weight room or, you know, going through the reps and all that kind of stuff. And not that I don't know why, you know, I don't know if you necessarily need to get up at five o'clock in the morning to do that. But but there's something about about that dedication because it's it's so physically taxing and drums is taxing in its own way, too. But sports always it was always interesting just that, the concept of the men, the mental aspect, the physical aspect and putting those two together. And I always thought, how can I sort of do this with the drums without, like you said, without getting to that, to that sort of athleticism in drumming, because that is something that, that I'm not really into, uh, or I'm not into at all. So,
1: (laughs) right, right. And, and I think it's important to acknowledge, um, you know, but yeah, I think like, It's, it's tricky because almost all of my favorite drummers have flaws in their technique. And, you know, uh, there, there's certainly imperfections, um, in their physical approach, um, just so happens. But all, all of my favorite athletes seem to be flawless physically, you know, so you really can't get away with um anything less than just you know that that work ethic to maintain the physical condition also i guess the window depending on the sport you know the window is pretty small um and um you know the the time that you can how many years can you really be at your best in a given sport right. um whereas thankfully music art drums you know Uh, I think the goal that many of us share is that we could do this, um, for our whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, I I definitely, I definitely watch a lot of sports and, um, it's, it's mostly, you know, uh, just a, a simple pleasure, but there are definitely, um, elements of inspiration and, Really just, uh, you know, I just love watching people um, perform at the highest levels, you know. And again, I think sports is sometimes the most, one of the the clearest examples of that are like um, just physical excellence. But but really, yeah, like the degrees of focus and the commitment and like you're saying, work ethic, all that stuff. It's really like everything is firing on all cylinders. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Do you feel just to touch on a little bit about what you said about sort of the, the physicality and, and the quote unquote athleticism of, of playing. Do you think that there's a lot of that happening now where we're leaning a little bit heavier towards the physical aspect of playing and the athleticism of playing versus the art and, and creativity of it?
1: I don't know if I'd be a good judge of that. It's, I I think it's, in some ways it's always been there, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's difficult. It would be unfair to, um, just speak in, in, I mean, I, I brought it up, I brought up the athleticism, so I'm blaming myself. It's, it's (laughs) unfair to speak in such blanket terms because, um, you know, let's just say if we had to choose one If I had to choose one characteristic that I admire, it's, you know, playing for the music, always putting the music first. And uh, there are certain styles of music that absolutely demand athleticism and, Mm -hmm. you know, physicality at the instrument. So that, um, you know, that would be the example of where it's, it's not a vanity choice or a selfish choice. It's actually what's needed to produce that music um so you know every now and then there there might be the occasion where it feels a little bit me first you know or
2: mm-hmm.
1: um it's the moments when when i feel like the music isn't being put first that i tend to check out as a listener right. you know or check out meaning like stop listening yeah right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rather it. than rather than, uh, dig in. But yeah, so I think, um, it's really case by case. Um, and, and yeah, it's just personal preference. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but there, there are definitely, you know, it's difficult. We need to practice and we need to like teach our muscles what to do. And sometimes, um, we have to put so much energy, energy into, that way of thinking that it's difficult to stop thinking that way. Um, but, uh, I still think it's just, you know, what, what is, what is one's intention? And I think that's what comes through the music. It's always the why, you know, the, 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 what, um, is cool. And I, I love drums. I love listening to people play drums and it's, it's exciting to see what people can play or do choose to play. But, in the end, um, of course, it's the why that that really is the art side of it, and one's intention, and you know how you're making choices to mm-hmm. to serve the music and stuff like that.
0: As you were saying that, it it I was sort of thinking, what ha- you know, we always say you don't know what you don't know. So, and I, sometimes I think that maybe when someone sees someone like you play or they'll see someone like Chris Dave or they'll see someone and it doesn't even, I mean, it could be anybody. It could be Eric Moore or whatever. Um, Is there a possibility that people are seeing it and don't don't necessarily understand what they're hearing or understand what they're listening to and all they think of or all they see or all they hear is, oh, this guy's playing a lot of notes or he's playing a lot of chops or he's like, has all this facility and then they try to emulate that without really having the full context of what is happening inside of the music. So if it's a more amateur ear or if it's a younger player or something like that, that you're looking at it. I mean, you can look at Elvin Jones and say, holy shit, he's playing a ton of notes. Right. But like, is he, or is he just playing what is right for the, for the music? And I think as an outsider, if, or if you don't know what you're listening for, you don't know what you're watching, you may just sit down and just try to play like that and play all this stuff. And it might not be fitting for the situation. Does that make any sense at all?
1: It does. It does. Um, I think Chris Dave's a great example. He He's um, he's a master musician. He really is. And um, and I really admire him. He's been a, a, absolutely a source of inspiration, continues to be. Um, for me, um, when I hear him, I, I really, I hear much more than a drummer, the, you know, the way he shapes the music and, um, it really has this production element, um, to, to it, it was, it was very helpful to be able to see him live a handful of times because, you know, on recordings, I always thought, wow, this is, this sound is perfect. And, you know, you never know how responsible someone is for their sound. Was it was it kind of tweaked afterwards? Was someone mm-hmm. asking them to play a certain thing? You know, and it was all there live. It was really, it felt like um it felt like all the processing was done in real time and it was the acoustic instruments, you know. Mm-hmm. And um I really think that, you know, he's a good example <clears throat> of someone who I think a lot of his innovations on the instrument have come from, um, you know, uh, trying to reproduce elements in the music that a drummer didn't choose to do, you know? So it's almost Mm -hmm. like, say you play a really simple beat with four on the floor and a backbeat on two and four, and that's the take. And then later that, that gets transformed in the production phase or whatever, you know, and now there's this delay on the hi-hat that he didn't play or that someone didn't play, you know, but Mm -hmm. you want to emulate that. And now you're forced to use your own brain to say, okay, how can I do this in real time? And that for me is an opportunity um, that I always try to jump at is to try to emulate something that, just isn't simply a drum performance. You know, that's why like heavily influenced by electronic music, a lot of which is, is not real time drum performances. So in order to incorporate, you know, that feeling or those choices, you have to kind of think on your own feet. How can I try to pull this off? And Chris was, um, is definitely an example of that for me. Um, the way, and and that's why. So maybe he has to do some seemingly very drumistic thing in a given beat, where he has to play like crazy fast singles on the hi hat or something, you know. And from one lens, you could say, "Oh wow, look at those chops," as you were saying. But from the other lens, and I'd have to ask him to to be sure. But I you know i really i trust him as a listener i trust him and i'm thinking oh cool that that must have been later you know on the mpc they, the beat repeat was set at x and now that that was on the hi hat in this given phrase and he's trying to emulate that you know what i mean so it's mm-hmm. it's a much more um you know the the chops are the what or the the technique is the what but certainly not the why in those cases. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I just think, you know, he's thinking about the music and, and, um, if it requires, some, um, t- if it has some technical demands, then it's okay. Can you deal with that? Mm-hmm. You know, but, but I think, um, you know, a lot of us from time to time have been guilty of, uh, thinking about that stuff first. Like, what can I do? Um, You know, you you sit down to approach the music thinking about what can I do as opposed to what does the music need?
0: You know, Mm -hmm. so I always think Mm
1: -hmm. about, okay, for me, my favorite musicians say, what does the music need? And just the ability to identify that, to be able to listen in a way where you could identify what the music needs is uh, huge, you know, and then Mm -hmm. after you've identified what it needs, can you provide that? And that's where the, the technique and all those things come in. Um, but it's actually second on the, on the list in, in my opinion, you know, and, um, and not to mention, uh, you know, in an improvised situation, all of these things are happening in, in, you know, split second uh, decisions and choices. So, yeah I mean that's that's whenever I listen to my favorite drummers I'm always in awe of the you know the why mm-hmm. why did they choose to do that it it looking back it's so clearly the the perfect musical choice you know why what what led them to that much mm-hmm. more so than the the actual content you know or the right. stuff they played
0: and this may be a hard question to answer, but is there a way that you have that you've developed that skill or is it just a matter of listening and listening and listening and listening and start to understand sort of how the player is and how they make, how they make decisions? Because I'm thinking of younger players that are, you know, that are listening to one of your records or, or whoever. And they're, they're hearing the, the chops and they're hearing the drums and they're not hearing the music and they're not hearing the musical decisions that are being made.
1: I think it's helpful to, just think in big picture terms, um, energy, you think about what, what energy the music needs in a certain moment, what, um, you know, th- just the shape of things sound in general, you know, I think the more you can step back from your specific ideas or get out of the, you know, here's my groove, here's my fill kind of mentality, Mm -hmm. Um, and just think about the overall flow, trying to support the other musicians, um, you know, good stuff starts to happen when, when you think that way. And over time, more and more, you'll be more confident with, you know, playing the stuff that, that feels right. But Mm -hmm. again, it's that trap of, we need to practice a lot to, to, um, you know get this level of proficiency on the instrument and and in doing so all that practicing uh we need to work extra hard to make sure that we don't um get stuck inside those ideas or hold on to those p- particular ideas too tightly mm-hmm. um i think you know there we need some humility in our practicing and and um try to resist uh, maybe this is going down a little different path but um, inside our practicing, <clears throat> try to resist labeling things as cool or uncool uh, mm-hmm. in that moment, because um, we, we don't know what the music will need until that moment arrives. So I just want to gather as many ideas as I can, be able to play them in a confident way, and then um, let the moment, uh, again, let the music tell me what it needs, and then hopefully I can... Uh, hopefully I can provide that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that's such an, I mean, you've been there for a long time now as a player, but it's such an awakening when you, I think the first gig that you play and you feel that way, you know, when you're actually thinking, oh, wow, I'm not I'm not dictating where the music is going. The music is dictating where I'm playing or what I'm playing. And it's it's telling me what to play versus me trying to push in these things that, that I practiced for the last, you know, three weeks in the practice room at seven, 73 beats per minute and then 78 and then 82, and now I'm going to take it and drop it into this song. Uh, yep. yep. Like really, you know, once the music starts dictating things, I think that opens up just an entirely different world, and then you realize you have, you know nothing, you know, and you're like, oh, wow, I have all this whole new, uh, it's like opening a door, and now you're like, oh, I have this whole other room now that I can, that I can decorate and, and start, you know, moving the furniture around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or you actually just you you walk out of the house, and now you're just outside. (laughs) (laughs) um, Because that's really what it feels like. And, you know, I know it it may sound a little, you know, um, mystical um, to talk that way. Like, what do you mean the music tells you what to play? Like, come on, man, you You know, I know, uh, it's not so quantifiable, but, um, at the very least, I would say it's a really, um, a really relaxing place from which to play, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, raise your hand if you've ever, um, sat down at the drums and not know what to play me, you know? Yeah. Um, so in those moments, um, You know, then it's like, okay, well, now what? And it's like the just open your eyes, open your ears like uh, the music is all around you and always, always, you know, throwing these ideas at you and and guiding you, you know. And there could Mm -hmm. be times where the music tells you to step up and take charge and be be the alpha, you know, that that is an option inside of, uh, of this uh, approach um, so yeah it's I mean this is this is stuff that I think about a lot so I'm glad we're touching on it
0: the fact that that it's not quantifiable is something I think that is frustrating for a lot of people do you have do you have ways of practicing that do you have ways of and I hate even to say practice because it sounds like grabbing a book and going into the into the practice room and setting up the book and turning on a metronome. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, and you would, you can speak to this a lot better than I can. I just don't think that's the way you get there. Um, right. So do you have ways that you do it or that you suggest other people do it? And I, and I think it's such a hard thing because it's not quantum. We can't measure whether you're getting better at it technically, you know? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd be,
1: it'd be silly for me not to mention that. I actually, um, I agree with everything you said. I, I did write a book, which, um, the whole time is came out a few years ago, maybe around the time we spoke. I don't, I don't remember, but, Mm -hmm. um, I was battling with that the whole time. You know, when I was younger, I didn't have any of my own ideas. I needed my teachers. I needed these books to fill me up with ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have very very fond memories of what you just said. Being in the practice room with the metronome with a book because I needed that. And mm-hmm. um, and there are still some books that I'll flip through from time to time and just you know it's all oh, right this thing okay and you know it might re reignite something. And so it was an honor for me to kind of contribute to that library. I mean there's. Mm-hmm. a ton of drum books and they they all have their purpose, you know, but it was fun to try to make something to, um, to fit into that library. And, but yes, I was t- trying to, you know, find that middle ground of, um, less so than just share my own ideas. It was, the intention was to, uh, give people uh, a bit, some tools to create their own ideas. Cause mm-hmm. that is way more interesting. So f- for the world, you know, <laughs> sure. um, so I, uh, tried to provide those tools and, you know, the, for each tool I would, I, it wouldn't be an instructional book if I didn't provide some examples. Um, but really, and I, I really mean this, the examples that I included in the book are of no more or less value than the ideas that the person going through the book will create,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and I did my best to emphasize that in the text and things, but, um, it's, it is hard to not just flip through a book and say, look at the page with the most notes and then say, Oh yeah, I want to get this down. You know, it's, uh, it, you know, there's something to be said for that, but I think, um, <clears throat> to get back to developing this kind of unquantifiable muscle it for me, it's all about playing with other people and um, you can't do that too much um, because um, well, first of all, that's why I do any of this, like any of the work I do on my own is with the goal of being able to, play music with other people right Um, just to clarify he
0: was saying there's no such thing as playing with people too much
1: yes thank you i don't know if i said that correctly
0: or you were like you can't you said something
1: along the lines do that too much
0: like don't do that too much and i was
1: like yeah okay okay
0: i understood what you meant but i was like let's just be clear what what we're saying here like there's no possibility of you ever playing too much with people
1: (laughs) yes um i think if If you had to choose between, if you had to choose between practicing and playing with other people, 10 out of 10 playing with other people will make you a better musician. I know this might sound a little cliche or obvious, but I feel like practicing makes you a better drummer. Playing music with other people makes you a better musician. I love that. And, you know, it's not to mention the joy that it will provide, you know, I was never the most disciplined practicer, um, you know, I'd get a good, maybe a, an hour or two of focused practice. But if, if I had an environment to play with other people, I could just play all day, all day. And, um, you know, you really learn a lot about yourself and, um, you learn about what the music needs, you know, and, and, and then you go back. Um, and you realize also what you need to work on when Mm -hmm. you're playing with other people. So then it's like, oh, wait, this is interesting. I've never been asked to play at quarter note equals 73 in three, four with brushes. Why is this so hard? This seems like a piece of cake and that, okay, now I know what I need to practice, (laughs) you know, but I don't think I would ever sit home and say, what should I practice today? You know, sometimes when you just right. invent things to practice, it might not always be the most, you know, practical, useful thing. Right. Um, I so mean, because a lot so of times again, it's just
0: arbitrary, right? You're
1: exactly. Picking something out of the air. See, yeah, you see, you you see something that someone else can do, and then it's just that very natural human instinct of like, oh, I guess I need to be able to do that too. Um, and then, you know, what for what?
0: You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you're right, right. <clears throat> Just copy it and paste it into somewhere that it doesn't belong, or you're right. never going to use it, or I mean, who knows? You might, but but yeah, I, yeah, I'm
1: all for like, hey, if you're if you have the discipline to practice the drums, please do it. You know, and in and in, in that sense, you could say there's there's no. <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't say you're wasting your time by any means. But, um, you know, it's it, it like you're saying it could be quite arbitrary as to what you choose to practice.
0: This episode is brought to you by Music Pro Insurance, and for the last twenty years, they've been offering affordable insurance for musicians to protect their gear. Find out how you can protect up to twelve thousand dollars worth of gear for about hundred and fifty bucks a year. Check them out at musicproinsurance.com. Hey, do yourself a favor and check out Promark's select balance drumsticks. These sticks give players the ability to fine tune their standard stick model to fit their playing style. Let me give you an example. If you play rock or country or metal, check out the forward balance. These are front weighted and give you enhanced power and speed. If you are playing jazz or funk or gospel, then check out the rebound balance. These are rear weighted and gives you more finesse and more agility. Plus. They're made by Promark, which you know you're going to get a quality product because they control the entire process from the forest to the finished drumstick. Plus, they're paired by pitch and by weight, so there's zero guesswork when you're grabbing that stick out of your stick bag. Do yourself a favor. Check them out by going to Promark.com. This is an odd question, but it just made me think of it when you were saying uh, about practicing and figure, you know, a lot of times we don't have time to practice depending on whether we're on the road or whether you have a day job or something like that. So, and I have no idea where this question is coming from, but would you rather be playing music full time uh, and, and not necessarily playing artistically and playing the music that you want to play, but would you rather have a day gig and, and uh, play the music that you wanted to play on nights and weekends, because you're in a fortunate situation where you're doing both now. Yeah. If you couldn't do I'm both, very lucky what would you do. Yeah, I think. I mean, um, this is. Mm, I wouldn't. Ju- I, I wouldn't say you're lucky either. I, you worked for it. Well, I, I'm.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I'm grateful to be in this situation. Okay. I'm very. I. I I try to make sure that I'm aware of, um, that aware that it's special, you know, I'm lucky in a lucky. It's not like I won the lottery. I just, you know, grateful. (laughs) Right. Um, right. But, um, yeah, I've, you know, I've thought about this in a daydreamy sense, but, um, have never had to confront it. So I guess this is very, very much a, uh, a, um, you know, hypothetical, but, I think I I really cherish my relationship with the drums and with music, and um, it really, that relationship fills me with joy, keeps me, um, you know, happy, all these things, and um, I'm really afraid to tarnish that. Um, So maybe certain musical situations would tarnish that and would actually transform the current status of the relationship. And that would be, that would be majorly disappointing, you know, that I would no longer, yes, I get to play music, but I no longer have this version of the relationship, Mm -hmm. which brings me great joy, which keeps me inspired, which, you know, which then I could bring to the other parts of my life. I'd like to believe, you know, I'm I am the dad that I am because, you know, I get to play music and get filled up with life and energy and bring that back or the husband that I am or the brother or the friend, you know. So I think I I guess the long answer would be depending on the day gig, (laughs) you know, um, I would lean towards that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe if, if there was something with like zero baggage that I could really just show up, do the job. And when I leave, I'm back to myself, you know. And right. then um, as long as it was something that wouldn't drain me so much that I don't have the energy to then go be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's lots of qualifiers in there, I understand. But yeah, I, you know, sometimes with younger musicians, uh, the advice that I give is... um is hey if you really okay try not to think about money until you absolutely have to that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's number 1 and that's different that's different for everybody yep. and then um if it really is just simply that you need some money there's nothing wrong with being a bartender a couple nights a week and then you you meet cool people and you're just in this environment hopefully it's a positive environment mm-hmm. um and then you can when you get to the music you are so hungry and, um, excited to explore, you know, whereas if you, um, only rely on musical situations for that money that you now need, you you'd most likely be forced to say yes to some things that, you know, you look in the mirror and you say, I don't want to be playing this music. You know, right. that can, that can absolutely run deep in your body and get into your cells and change, change that relationship. So mm-hmm. again, for me, I'm just trying to hold on tight to like this joyous feeling.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I mean, I grew up in the restaurant business. So, uh, so bartending was just something I always did for years. And so I would be touring and come home and bartend and go back out or whatever. And it like, it worked out really well. And you know, bartend on a Sunday night, I wasn't getting a lot of calls for Sunday night gigs anyway, but Sure, It gave me the freedom to say, you know, what I don't want to play that gig, I don't mm-hmm. want to do this one, and and so I'm I'm with you on that, and and another reason why I I I asked that question is I always talk about like changing the narrative of, of what it means to be a successful musician, and I think that rather than rather than re- always saying no, I just play I just play drums, that's all I do, that's all, you know that's the only thing I do, uh, I I agree with you, there's nothing wrong with going getting the day gig and then playing the music that you want to play and and enjoying it with your friends and you know and instead of like you said having it tarnish that relationship where you're playing gigs you don't want to play, you're playing with people you don't want to play with, you're playing music that you don't want to play. It's like for what? You know, you could you could be you could be equally as unhappy and make a lot more money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, yeah, I mean that
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean I I just think it's like um what how can we um you know it's hard enough to to like discover who we are as artists, you know, that's a lifelong pursuit. Mm-hmm. Um so you might as well give yourself put yourself in the situations that really encourage you to explore who you are. And maybe a lot of the, the quote unquote jobs inside of music that you would say yes to strictly for money. Um, again, this is an assumption, but you know, maybe those are not the environments that are really a place for you to investigate who you are as an artist. And I really think that's what we should be doing, what everybody should be doing to varying degrees. Um. Because again, that's what I'm selfishly, that's what I'm most interested in. I want to, I want to hear pe- people doing their thing to the best of their ability with just, you know, as much truth and confidence. And then, um, you know, whether you like it or not is irrelevant. You know, mm-hmm. it might just, we all have our own tastes, but I think the most important thing is people, you know, just going for their thing and, um, if it's if there 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 will be a place for everybody who who approach it with that kind of commitment and integrity. Um, I think the other the other side of it um maybe the, the the musical environments that simply don't encourage you to ex you know express yourself. That's a very crowded world. Um, and you know, I, I kind of wish, yeah, I just, I just wish for, if that's what someone wants, maybe someone could be completely satisfied in those worlds and I would applaud them. But just the way my brain works, I'm just always looking for those situations to, uh, you know, really get my hands dirty and, and try to be creative.
0: Mm -hmm. And what I hear from that is that you are, that means you are that dedicated To your craft where you're saying, yes, I, I, you know, you're dedicated not only to your craft, but, but you developing your artistic muscle and, and, and being an artist and, and, and really pursuing your own vision. And you're sort of like, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to do that. If that means I got to go get a day job, that's cool. If I can, because I still need to, I still need this, this artistic outlet in my life versus the other where it's like, ah, you know, I could whatever. As long as it pays me, I'm cool. I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think Mm -hmm. there's a I I I applaud you for that. I and I I for years felt wrong for that. Where I was always Mm -hmm. like, no, I'd much rather I'd much rather work, you know, at a regular quote unquote job and then at night be able to play with who I want to play with and play the music that I want to play. Mm-hmm you know yeah, not that i also, by any means for the record by any means comparing myself to you in terms of artistic expression or or creativity or anything like that but i understand i understand what you're saying
1: yeah for sure and i think the other thing to measure not measure but just to be aware of is um you know um you know if you're not in an ideal situation um one thing I look at is like, okay, this might not be ideal, but how can I help others? You know, um, that, or, or by doing this, how would this help others? Because that's a huge, for me, that's much more quantifiable than, or important, I should say, than money. Um, I would much, if there's something, um, you know, I had an experience recently where I was in Houston last weekend and. I had the opportunity to go to a high school uh, out of the city just a little bit Chavez high school and um, the music program is uh, very very humble and they're doing their best and the the band director was super cool and they invited me to just you know check out their jazz their jazz band class and it was maybe a dozen musicians and this was the only time that they touched their instruments really that n- mm-hmm. no one had Private study, and they're all, uh, you know, um, they played. They played this cool version of "Creep" by Radiohead, and the guy who was singing was actually the guitar player, but they just kind of recruited him to sing, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and then they played uh, "Chameleon," the Herbie tune, nice. and it was, um, you know, the level was the level. The level is exactly what it should have been considering uh all these elements but like the spirit in the room was insane like i really i it filled me up with with positivity and you know sometimes every now and then you get in those situations and it kind of feels like everyone's looking at you like why is this guy here you know i'm just you know and you feel like they had kids don't want to be there i don't know it's right. you know but this was the exact opposite it was like it was just a great energy, and there was something to be said about. I don't want to rule it out, you know. But this isn't the kind of environment where, you know, these kids, every one of those kids, is going to go on and be a professional musician. You know, mm-hmm. this is just another class in in their day. And uh, it was really exciting to get to interact with them and to get to play with the band and all this stuff. And it was like, okay, this is. Like that hour of my day, um, that experience was actually impossible to quantify the, what, the feeling it gave me, you know. Right. And it really caught me off guard, too. I, I was just like, okay, I went to a couple schools that day, and it was cool. Um, but it really, it was exciting. And that, that kind of thing, like, okay. Um, and that was the best of both worlds, because I was in town playing with my own band. So I knew I was going to have that creative outlet, mm-hmm. but it really did make me think like, Oh, if, <clears throat> you know, not that I'm going to go start applying for high school music direct, you know, band director gigs, right. but right. uh, which is awesome, which is an, a very important position in the, in this whole timeline, you know,
0: but, um, man, you would be a kick ass, high school jazz teacher.
1: (laughs) This really, it was, it was, it was just awesome. It was awesome. And you know, maybe 10 years ago, if I was in that situation, I don't know if I would have been able to enjoy it as much as I did
0: because I might've
1: been like, come on, man, I want to like, this isn't cool enough. Right. You know, I want to do my thing or this and that. It, it feels like, again, because I do, because I do have, Uh, The situations to do my thing. Like I really, it was that much easier to just really be absorbed in a situation like that and make Mm -hmm. the most of it. And yeah, so it's a bit of a tangent, but it really felt good because it was still inside of music, but it was very different from me just being a creative guy with my own band, you know, and it, and it did provide a similar amount of, you know, satisfaction. So I, just wanted to put that out there.
0: Do you – when you look back at yourself 10 years ago, what do you think is, has changed aside from your playing? I mean you mentioned this and and this may have just been sort of a joke. But like do you have – do you feel like you had a bigger ego back then or or do you think that you've changed your perspective on things? And how do you think you've evolved in the last 10 years?
1: Uh, I think um, – yeah, I th- – think let's see I think just a little more uh appreciative you know I I I've been you won't let me say it but I feel lucky that you know right out of college um I was on the road uh, with a bass player named Avishai Cohen and that mm-hmm. like really that graduated in May and in September we're on the road we're going to Europe and that was like really full-on making um making a bunch of album albums and just doing the thing, you know? And, um, it just kind of happened. And then that led to this and this led to that. And the, you know, so I'm just kind of like, I still just kind of have my head down and I'm just trusting this path. You know, I'm almost Mm -hmm. afraid to stop and look around, you know? Um, but I think because of that, maybe it took me, um, a little longer to really, Um, understand um, how special it is and to really be grateful in the way that I am now and try to and I don't want to over dramatize it but you know just know that every time it's like okay don't take this for granted this is special you know Mm -hmm. and and then try to deal with the music with that with that uh, yeah with that in mind
0: sure Makes sense. I mean, it reminds me, I I remember reading this quote and it said at any given time when you're walking down the street, a very small percentage of your brain is focused on the present and the rest Mm. is planning the future or regretting the past. And that's just it. All that all that's doing is keeping you from enjoying the moment that you're in right now. Absolutely. You know, and it it keeps you separated from it.
1: So, yeah. And, you know, I mean, now having a family, it's like. In order to to walk out of that door, it's got to be meaningful, right? You know. So, um, and I'm, I, I, you know, it feels good that I, I have, um, some stuff that, uh, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to leave for certain periods of time, but to know that, okay, every night I know I'm going to get filled up with something special, and you know, that really to the more I can be in that moment, the more I can take from it and then get filled up and bring that home with me, you know, and th- and that's mm-hmm. much more important than money. It's cool to bring some money home, but again, you know, it's much more about, you know, what you can bring <clears throat> back as a person, mm-hmm. uh, to then give back to your friends, to your family. Um, the money is, is, you know, whatever. byproduct. Yeah. It's yeah. Money's money's cool when you have it, but, um, you know, and if it, on a certain occasion it might help you get out the door a little bit, if you know, it's a little better money. And, but, but really it's, it's, um, you know, the, I think more and more, well, one, one thing for sure that is easier to do now is to just make decisions from my gut and just trust trust my gut and say, does mm-hmm. this feel right? Yes or no. Done. Right. Yep. Which 10 years ago, my head was a lot more involved and in that. Didn't always help,
0: you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all suffer from a little bit of that too. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, so tell me about this new, this new beat beat music record. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, the record comes
1: out April 12th. Uh, so I guess I'm not exactly sure when, when this episode will come out.
0: Uh, this will come, Um, I mean, it'll come out soon. So before April 12th.
1: Great. So April 12th. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, beat music has, so I'm here in St. Louis with my jazz quartet, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, has been kind of my main creative outlet for the last few years. And that's, you know, saxophone, piano, double bass, drums, and, uh, really kind of wide open forms and a lot of, a lot of emphasis on improvisation and, and that stuff. And it's, and I love it. You know, it's a, it's a, an important, uh, part of me that, um, but it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's actually the, the minority of, of it, it has been, you know, less than half of, um, my output as a leader, like most of the stuff has been in a more electronic realm. Mm -hmm. So beat music has kind of been this working band. It's kind of like a collection of musicians. It's more of uh, a family of guys uh, like-minded and you know, that maybe like 10 years now and uh, it's had different forms over the years. And we've had a couple records, that have come out that have leaned a lot more on improvisation and more open. Um, but this record is, is kind of through composed. It's just, you know, um, a new batch of music that um, I uh, kind of just uh, conceived on my own before bringing it to the guys. But of course I can't overstate how, important and necessary they are you know so even though it doesn't really feature improvisation in its um typical form like Mm -hmm. solos and stuff it i'm still relying on them for okay here's here's the stuff here are the parts but please make your own choices it's just in a more nuanced way the the improvising that's happening and so yeah and, and and i tried to include um you know everyone that has been in the the community over the years so you know there's like four bass players and a bunch of keyboard players and all that stuff just trying to be as inclusive as possible um and yeah it's it's really for me although um we're 10 years in to the to the project it kind of in a way it feels like uh the first true true picture of of what the band is
0: Mm mm-hmm the one the one thing that's always that I always admire about you is it doesn't matter what you're playing it always sounds like you and hmm. so you're if you're playing something that's you know if you're playing electronic, then it still sounds like you versus like with your quartet you know like obviously you're not playing the same style or anything but it just it always just sounds like you and I'm guessing you know that's a conscious. Thing that you've always tried to do is develop your own sound but has there been has there been ways that you have tried to develop each one of those different sounds or you just kind of put everything together and say this is this is my sound like because i've always been interested to see how like i feel like i kind of always just play like the same shit but with you you're playing like completely different stuff still sounding like yourself
1: Hmm. Yeah, I think this is a tricky one because I think over in the past when I've tried to like really consciously make decisions to have my own sound and things like that, I've failed uh, because they've been um, what kind of just surface, very surface level choices or very materialistic choices. You know, a good example of that is like gear, you could say, because a lot of times people equate having your own sound with being unique you know and it's like if your goal is to be unique that takes no effort at all you can go to Home Depot and buy some weird shit and then you're the guy with the weird Home Depot kit and there's right. only one of <laughs> one of you in the world but that doesn't there's no depth to that uniqueness right. you know so <clears throat> um, I actually think it's it, it's a slower path that. It's more of a grind, but Mm -hmm. um, to take the road most traveled, you know, if you could find yourself in the road most traveled, then it's like, okay, there's something going on there. You know, for example, with the jazz quartet, I'm very intentionally playing as traditional as a setup as I could, you know, Um, four piece kit, pretty fairly traditional, like bop tuning, Mm -hmm. two cymbals. Um, it's like force creativity within. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, everything in the world has been done on this instrument, you know, without doing any research, I, I would maybe think that that's the most used setup in the history of the instrument. Right. You know, I mean, from Elvin to Ringo, to you know, um, Mm -hmm. so what do you have to say in that environment? Um, You know, it's again, it might be it might it's a little more of a slog, you know, (laughs) uh, to get to to find it. But if you do, if you can find yourself in those environments, um, it's definitely like, you know, it's 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 almost like, um, you know, how some people wear a suit, some men wear a suit and they just look like a robot. You know, you're just like, okay, businessman, number one businessman, number two, businessman, number three. And then you get to a guy who's just, it's still just a suit. And you're like, whoa, who's that dude? Right. Like, yep. w- what's up? Something's different. Something's a little more thoughtful about the choice of X, or he's got the cufflinks, or he's got the this. And it doesn't have to mean fancier, or it's just certain details, certain care. Just and at the end it. of the day, yeah. yeah, and it's still just a suit. You know, it's the cut of the the leg and the where it, you know, and... I don't wear suits, so I, I'm kind of <laughs> talking out of turn, but you know, it's, it's a, it, it could serve as this, a suit in some ways serves as a uniform to equalize everybody, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, so within that, <clears throat> to be able to find yourself, um, without going to an extreme to stand out, you know, right. Um, I, I feel like that is, could, could be an, an analogy. And then Um, you know, and a lot of that has to do with confidence, of course, but, Mm -hmm. but it's the details and it's the intention behind those details. And I think, uh, another potential pitfall of focusing, putting all of your energy into quote unquote, being yourself is sometimes as we started the call, you know, sometimes that can come before uh, you know, giving the music, providing what the music needs. Mm -hmm. Um, so I try not, you know, I'm still always playing from that place. What does the music need? And then, um, just, yeah, listening to my instincts and trying to make choices within, within that, uh, that feel right.
0: So the decisions that you said that you were making before, were you just trying to experiment with different symbols or different tunings and all that kind of stuff and kind of figured, okay, this isn't the right thing to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot from those, um, experiments,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: you
1: know, and a lot of it was, um, I started playing a little later than my peers. I started playing when I was 15. So like I was never like the best guy at at school or anything like that. So, um, I was always trying to catch up and sometimes you look for shortcuts, you know, like, oh, so if I'm just the guy with the weird kit, you know, I'll get recognized for that kind of choice. And that'll set me apart. But there, it always felt like there was a, an expiration date, if you will, to those kinds of choices.
0: It's sort of like the, the people who, I hate to equate it to money, but like the people who have this, this sort of like not, I want to say get rich quick scheme, but like a fast money thing, but it never lasts yep. long. You may like yep. a little bit of money in the beginning or something, but it never lasts long Yep. or a yep. crash and, diet um, or something.
1: Right, right, right. So yeah, it really felt like, um, and I learned a lot like, Hey, what if, what if I, what if my hi-hats are two eight inch splashes or something? It's like, that. it's cool. cool. Wow. Cool sound. It forces me to play differently. Oh, I didn't think about it like this. And now, now, But then I would, um, you know, get called for a certain gig and I would realize, oh, wow, this is actually just not the appropriate sound for this kind of music, you know, things like that. So I, I, I don't regret any of those kinds of choices or those experiments, but um, I still ended up back um, into the center a little bit, you know, and then you could bring those experiences with you and let mm-hmm. them inform inform uh, your choices. But yeah, I think, um, again, when I, you know, you mentioned Elvin before, it's like, um, we, we think of him as just like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, that's one way to play the instrument, you know, like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you could do that, do the Elvin thing. Hey, can you, on this tune, can you do the Elvin thing? It's like (laughs) when he came out of the gate, no one had ever heard that before. You know, and and even he was not appreciated until later than he should have been, you know, because it was he's bringing some new stuff. But I don't you know, I wish I could ask him this. I don't I don't know. I think that's just that was just him. That's the way he heard music. That's the way that's what was going to happen every time he sits down to play music. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that was a product of saying, how can I be different? I'm going to make a point to not play like anybody else, you know, things like that. I think it truly was just, um, you know, like this is just what happens when I sit down, you know, this is the music that I hear Mm -hmm. and it would be a, a damn shame if he, uh, tried to change that or tried to cater or listen to the people who said, come on, you know, play like Philly Joe, you know, um, because man, what, what would this instrument be without him? You know? Yeah,
0: for sure. Do you, as a lot of your approach, obviously serving the music, but how much of it do you think, how much of, of, of your legacy plays into the stuff that you do? I mean, you, you know, I know you'll probably, because I, because you and I have spoken a couple of times, like, I and I know how you are, you'll, you may downplay this, but you're one of the, you know, you're one of the greatest drummers in our generation. So, wow. and I, that's I, very
1: generous of you. And I
0: say that confidently. And I I think that everyone listening would agree. So where does that, I mean, do, do you, do you think about, that at all? Do you think about legacy? Do you think about what you're leaving behind on the instrument? So 30 or, you know, a hundred years from now, people are like, man, Mark Giuliani did all this shit. Like, I wish I could ask him all these questions about how he developed this thing or, you know, he really made his mark on the instrument.
1: Hmm. Well, th- that's very generous of you. I think that those thoughts are scary to me, to be honest, and, and potentially uh, would derail me From You know, there's definitely a a bit of a blissful ignorance that I carry that like, oh, no, I'm just kind of I'm minding my own business and playing some gigs and making some records. And because that, for me, helps me just keep it about the music.
0: Like if you You run into someone at the bar and they're like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm a drummer. And they're like, are you any good? What do you you know? Um, What do you what do you what do you
1: say? I'm like, well. I'd say, well, I'm, I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, I love it. You know, I, first of all, I try to avoid those conversations because they're rarely, rarely, uh, inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I play drums and, but like, Hey, what do you do? You know, like that's kind of where I'm at. It's, it's definitely, um, you know, also the beauty of, um, the, the little world that I'm in is it's, it's quite anonymous, you know, even Mm -hmm. drums in general, even the most famous drummers, uh, still can be quite anonymous. Um, you know, it's like, I, for me, um, it's been, I, I've, I've had the privilege of, of, um, becoming good friends with uh, Matt Cameron over the years, who's really Mm -hmm. one of my, freaking heroes you know yeah um and you know it's it's uncomfortable for me so whenever i'm in seattle we hang and you know he he if he's in town i'll come out to the show and then so like after the show it was was cool we're hanging out and like i'm having a beer with matt and then like some somebody comes over i was like hey mark wow i love your playing like you know and I'm just thinking, like, this is weird, you know. Like this, this is Matt Cameron right here, you know. <laughs> right. And it's great, and it's just a maybe generational or what. But like, even a guy like Matt, it's like he's really this gentle soul, extreme, like incredible guy. Um, and even as famous, like he's he's famous. Yeah. He's a famous musician, and there's still this level of of kind of um anonymity, which is cool, which I yeah. think I, again, I think plays into like, okay, the last thing I want to do is get caught, take myself too seriously, you know? Yeah. And Matt's yeah. definitely uh, like a model for that. He's just sure. a good dude and um, takes what he does very seriously and, and is aware absolutely is aware of his, his impact, but sure. he doesn't, uh, he doesn't wear it, you know?
0: I remember listening to an interview with the bass player from Fish, and they were like, do you sound like a, do you feel like a rock star? And he's mm -hmm. like, yeah, when I'm on stage in front of 30,000 people, I do. But when I'm in Walmart, I feel like just another guy in Walmart. Right, 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 right. I'm just a regular dude, you know, but I feel differently when I'm on stage for sure. Um, I interrupted you when you were talking about about Legacy and how you were saying that those thoughts – you know, are, are scary and can, they may derail you a bit from sort of your artistic, uh, endeavors, or I think that's where, where you were going with that.
1: Yeah. Just the idea of, um, I mean that it's just one of the potential things to, um, maybe put you in a place where the music doesn't come first. You know, Mm -hmm. like it, it maybe puts, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, it's definitely, um, you know, every now and then just in my own brain, I think about someone that I really admire and I think, Hey, what, what would they have to say about me doing X or what would, what would this guy think if he saw me in this situation, you know, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times if anything, it's, it leads to a no rather than a yes. Like the yes is just like, oh yeah, feel it in your gut. Cool. Doing it. Um, the other ones that are like on the fence, it's like, oh man, what if, you know, it's like, it's kind of that thing. And this is obviously a, a, an an invented situation, but like, oh man, yeah. But what if I'm doing this? And then it's almost like, okay, you, you say yes to something that you're not totally on board with. And then that's the thing that catapults you into people's attention. And then you're like, wait, wait, but wait, that's not me. That's not me. It's (laughs) like, well, what do you mean? That's not you. That's, you know? Yeah. So, um, but that's, there's so many layers to that, of course, you know, because then there's the business and there's the, this and that. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I guess I, guess I don't, I, I don't think about it in, in those terms. I just try to, it's cause that's, yeah, that's, uh, um, I, I see the value in it, but also that is another thing that would take you out
0: of this moment, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's tricky. I, and again, this is just my opinion. I think that you are in the position that you are, because you—that that is how you think because you serve the music because you don't mm. think about those things because you you don't take yourself too seriously into well I mean obviously you're playing and all but like you know what I mean you don't have an ego about you you uh you are you are humble and you know you're just you're just there to serve the music so I I applaud you for that
1: yeah, certainly. Try and thank you. And and you know, there there are definitely times where. You know, there's. <laughs> I guess one could argue, yeah, you're there to serve the music, but you're playing your own music, so you're. It's this kind of. <laughs> it, it comes back around. But really, that. You're still is, playing with other musicians and not stepping yeah, all over their
0: toes, you and, know.
1: Right, and and really, that that is the um <laughs> that is the thing of like, hey, um, my priorities. The goal is that every time I sit down, my priorities are the same, whether it's my music or someone else's music, you know. Right. Um, But the joy that bringing, you know, playing my own music brings me is just like that extra layer of of, you know, fulfillment
0: for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever you're doing. Keep doing it because uh, it's working for you, and I'm excited cool. to hear. You, uh, I'm excited to hear the record when it comes out. So that I know that uh, pre pre order uh, is available now, right? Is it available for pre order? Yeah, everything. It's all you know.
1: All the um, you know, obviously the digital avenues are are there, and then if you still like CDs, you can grab a CD. There's vinyl. Um, nice. So yeah, it's it's kind of uh, trying not to rule anybody out. If yeah. if there's really somebody out there that is an extreme, an extremist when it comes to cassettes, I'll, I'll, I'll dub you a cassette. How's that? Like
0: high speed dub. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Mark, I which wanna, is basically
1: wh- high, just for the record, high speed dub is basically drum and bass music. If you really want to, if you were to high speed dub a dub record, it's basically uh apex twin. I just kind of, just thinking about that in this moment. Anyway. Really? I mean, is that like I don't know. We gotta try
0: it. We gotta try it. I feel like we should. Yeah. <laughs> now I just let me go grab my my double uh my double yeah, we gotta
1: <laughs> hunt it down.
0: My exactly. <laughs> box. Exactly. Um well dude, I appreciate you taking all the time to to chat. I know that you got you got a gig tonight. You're on the road and I know you know your schedule's busy. There's baseball on, you could be watching baseball right now. Um, you know,
1: I turned the TV off. I, I said, even mute isn't going to cut it because this will be, I will not make any sense if there's baseball on in the background. I, so. I did the same. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I, I,
0: I had to turn the game off myself and I was like, let exactly. me just concentrate here. So, uh, cool. But again, thank you, man. It's always, it's always a great pleasure to chat with you. I wish you all the success with the new record and safe travels out there on the road. And yeah, man, just keep doing what you're doing.
1: Thank you. Yeah, hope to cross paths soon. Likewise. All right. I'll see you, Nick. Thanks. Later.
0: That was the one, the only Mark Juliana. For the show notes, head over to drummersresource.com forward slash session 478. And that'll have links to his new record and all of that stuff. So if you want to pre-order or you want to pick it up, if you're listening to this after it has come out, yeah, go head over to drummersresource.com forward slash 478. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.